0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome and happy Mother's Day. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. You know, when we meet together on Sunday morning, our main purpose is to worship God, is it not? To worship God, right? Amen? And we do that by recognizing who God is and what he's done, his person and his works. That's our definition of worship, recognizing God for who he is and what he's done. And I have the privilege this morning of bringing to you a little story that Jesus told that brings out An absolutely beautiful character of God and what he's done. And it's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. It's the parable of the lost sheep. That's what I want to teach you today. The parable of the lost sheep. Now when you come to a parable, you know that the genre of the literature is a little different. It's not a historical narrative. It's a story that uses a common everyday experience that you would be used to to bring out a truth about God or a truth about his kingdom, right? So a common everyday experience, something that you could relate to. Now what often happens with a parable is there's one element in the story That's not common. It's surprising. It catches your attention. It's not normal. And that uncommon element is used to bring forth the truth about God. Example, the parable of the sower. The sower goes out and sows seed. Very common. But in the parable of the sower, Jesus says, He throws some on the path. He throws some in the thorns. He throws some in the hard ground. He sows everywhere. Now, is that how you plant your garden? I hope not. I hope we don't still go out the back door. That's how you do it, Dave. You just throw it around sometimes if you let the kids do it. But that's the parable of the sower. The point of the parable of the sower is God's word goes out indiscriminately to all. And there's different reactions. So that's the odd, startling, strange part about the parable. The sower just throws it around everywhere. So let's have a look at this parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter 15. And I'll read it for you. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And of course that's Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls his, together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So there's the story, and there's the parable. So it's, you know, it's really simple, right? Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he says, Okay, pretend you're a shepherd, you've lost a sheep, And, of course, what you're going to do is go out and find the lost sheep. You're going to leave the 99, and, of course, you're going to go out and look for him. And the Pharisees' reaction in this story is, well, yes, Jesus, of course, we get it. That's what we would do, right? That's what the story is about, yes? No. You missed it, respectfully. That's not what the story is about, that's the startling part about this story. No good shepherd would leave his 99 sheep to go get one. Let me tell you more. So, first off, we have to look at the context. Verses 1 through 3 are the context. The tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. There was something attractive about Jesus that drew the downtrodden, the unfortunate, the outcasts, the despised, the hated. There was something about Jesus that attracted them. And what was it? He had something to say to to them, right? That's what the text says. You've got to look at the text and understand what's going on. So Luke tells us very clearly, they wanted to hear him. Jesus had something to say that was attractive, something that made sense to them, something that comforted them, something that helped them. So they went to Jesus to hear him. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, what did they think? They didn't like it, did they? They grumbled. (laughs) Look at that guy. Supposed to be a good Jew, supposed to be a, a good teacher. And what's he doing? He's hanging out with the sinners. They don't like it one bit, right? They say, this man receives sinners, and not only that, he eats with them. Can you imagine? Why? Because their understanding of the law, the Old Testament was based on keeping themselves clean, keeping themselves undefiled. They can't believe this so-called teacher would receive sinners and then share a meal with them. And that's the context of Luke 15. And Jesus goes on, and in this chapter, he tells three parables, right? All about something lost and found. Lost sheep a lost coin, and a lost son. All three hang together, but all three can stand apart. And I just want to focus on the first one today, of course, the lost sheep. So, that's the backdrop. That's the setting. And it says that Jesus told them this parable. And now, who's Jesus speaking to? Who's he telling this parable to? The religious leaders, the scribes, and the Pharisees. He's telling this parable to the self righteous, to the judgmental, to the arrogant teachers of the law who didn't understand why Jesus was attracted to these sinners. And why they were attracted to him. So the purpose of these parables as I unfold. Is to. For Jesus to instruct the self-righteous teachers. On who God is and what he does. So the parable is just a couple of verses. Verses four to seven. So Jesus says what man of you having a hundred sheep. What man of you? Who's he speaking to? Now I told you that, so this is, this is, this is easy. Who's he, who's he speaking to? The scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, the arrogant people. He's speaking to them and he says to them, what man of you? Which one of you? He's basically saying, pretend in your mind that you're a shepherd, right? Pretend in your mind that you're a shepherd and you've lost some sheep. And we picture it. Don't we all picture it? We picture Jesus and his hair's kind of flowing, right? And he's got a sheep, a really clean sheep on his shoulders, And the sheep's kind of gazing at Jesus. He's got kind of a dumb look on his face, like, gee, here I am on Jesus' shoulders. And Jesus is bringing him back. Isn't that what we picture? That's not what the religious leaders pictured. You know why? Shepherds, in that day, were despised. Of all the working people, of all the working class, they were the lowest of the low. They were at the bottom. They were the, I don't know even what to say. They were the sewer workers of the, of the day. I don't even know what, how, what to call it. They were very low on the scale. They kind of had a smell about them, you know, and they, they worked with these nasty old sheep. And sheep were filthy animals, and, and, and these guys, they hated them. And so for Jesus to say to them, think of yourself as a shepherd, the first thing the Pharisees were going to do was get mad. It was startling to them, and you may miss that. They didn't think of Jesus with the hair and the goofy smile and all that. It didn't come to them that way that it does to you and I. It was totally and utterly unthinkable. It was shocking and offensive for a scribe or a Pharisee to think of himself As a shepherd. Same with the second parable about the woman. He says basically, think of yourself as a woman. And you've lost a coin. Well, in that day, sadly, women didn't have a position of respect. And for a Pharisee or a Jewish leader to think of himself as a woman was terrible. Unthinkable. So Jesus does this intentionally in the first two parables to set up the third. Which is another sermon altogether. So they're offended. They're mad. And now here's the second surprising thing about the parable. It says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? It Makes sense, right? That's what shepherds do. They got one lost one, they leave the others, and they go and they go get that one lost one. That's not what they do. That's crazy. How do I know that? How do I know that? There's really a couple of reasons. First, it's how Jesus starts the parable and how he asks the question. He says, okay, scribes and Pharisees, I hope I don't fall off. If I fall off, come get me, will you? He says... What man of you, which one of you would go and do this? And the answer is really none of them would. You wouldn't do that. How do I know it? Because of the term Jesus uses. He says, which one of you would go after the lost one and lead the 99 in the open country? Now the word open country... We may think of a nice pasture in our minds and there's a 99 sheep and they're grazing and there's a little fence around them. That's not what it means. That's not the picture you should have in your head. That's not the picture Jesus is trying to drive home. He's got something else in mind and you may miss it if you're not careful. Right? Some translations say Jesus left them in the wilderness the Greek word is "arimos" and it means desolate. Jesus left them in the desolate place. It's the place where Jesus goes to pray. Oftentimes in the gospel, you see Jesus departing to a desert place. Jesus departing to a lonely place. Jesus departing to a place of wild beasts. So when the shepherd leaves the 99... He's leaving them in a place that's not protected. So the question is, Mr. Pharisee, which one of you would lead the 99 in the desolate place, in the wild place, with the wild animals, and go after the one? Nobody would! Mr. Scribe, let me ask you, which one of you would leave the 99 in the wilderness, in the desert place, in the unprotected place, with the wild beasts, and go after the one? None of you. None of you. And that's the hint about what the parable is about. Now let's focus on the search. We've got a couple of minutes left here, about 10. Let's focus on the search. He leaves the 99 in the open country, and he goes after the one that is lost until he finds it. Now just a couple of phrases, but they're full of meaning. The search is an all-absorbing search. The shepherd is focused on one thing, the lost sheep. His heart and mind are consumed by the lost sheep. He drops everything, and he focuses all of his energy on finding the lost sheep. So it's all absorbing. Secondly, it's a definite search. He's not out there just looking for any old sheep, is he? He's got one sheep in mind, his sheep. The lost one. It's a definite search. Isn't it? Maybe now you're getting to see what this is all about. Thirdly, it's an active search. You know, the shepherd doesn't sit back in his barca lounger or smoke his pipe and send off somebody else. He doesn't just sit there and scan the horizon looking for the sheep, thinking, well, maybe he'll turn up. No, it's an active search. The shepherd goes and he searches over hill and over dale, down into the ravines, up on the cliffs. It's active. Next, it's a persevering search. The text tells us the shepherd is going to search for that specific lost sheep until he finds it. Do you get that? Until he finds it. Not, oh, for a day or so, then we'll just call off the search. He perseveres until he finds that lost sheep. He doesn't give up in the face of obstacles or disappointments. He searches until that lost sheep is found. Next, it's a personal search. The shepherd himself goes. He does the searching. Again, he doesn't say to his brother-in-law's second cousin, twice removed, hey, you go do the search. He goes. The shepherd goes. And finally, it's a successful search. He finds the sheep, doesn't he? And then what happens? Jesus rescues that lost sheep. Sheep may have been stuck in a ravine, might be caught by its foot, might be hemmed in by thorns, might be surrounded by wolves. The text doesn't say it could be a storm. Text doesn't tell us what the circumstances were other than one fact. The sheep was lost. For some reason, it can't get back to the shepherd, whether it's lost its way or is caught, whatever. So the shepherd goes to the lost sheep. And when he finds it, the text says he lifts the sheep and puts it on his shoulders. why didn't the shepherd just bring a rope and kind of put a little rope around the sheep's neck not going to work lisa is it sheep don't want to come do they yeah yeah we had sheep too and there's a whole story about our dealings with our sheep so the the shepherd takes that sheep and again these sheep are not clean animals They're filthy, and he lifts that sheep. He puts it on his shoulder, and he brings it back. Where does he bring the sheep to? What does the text say? What does the Bible say? Where does he bring the sheep? Back to the 99? Back to the wilderness? Back to where the other ones are? Back to the pen where the other ones are? Is that where he brings them? He brings them home. Do you ever notice that about this little parable? He brings them home. (laughs) He brings them home. This dirty, filthy sheep, he brings them home. And now comes the best part. What's the best part? No, no lamb chops. No mutton roast. He has a party. He lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, "Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." The celebration begins. And that's the theme of all three parables in Luke 15. You look it up for yourself. There's a party. There's a celebration. There's rejoicing over what? The lost sheep that was found and brought home. He calls his friends and neighbors and says, let's rejoice together. And now finally at the end, verse 7, the application. Jesus says, now let me tell you what this is all about. Let me tell you what I'm getting at. Just so, he says, just so. I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So, the application. Shepherd, of course, that's Jesus, right? You know, some people say that the Trinity is brought out in these three parables, that that this one represents Jesus as the good shepherd. The woman represents with the lost coin represents the Holy Spirit scouring and looking. And the third one, of course, the prodigal son, the lost son, that's about the Father, God the Father. And in all three cases, all rejoice. Don't they? The shepherd is Jesus. John's gospel brings out the theme of the good shepherd in the 10th chapter. I am the good shepherd Jesus says I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I lay down my life for the sheep. The one lost sheep is of course the sinner who repents that's what Jesus says that's how we describe it the sinner who repents. Who are the 99 in this story? Who are the 99? Do you know? Yes, Eileen, the Pharisees and the scribes. That's who he's talking to. He's trying to get them to see that their self-righteous, judgmental attitude brings no joy to God. But what brings joy to God is repentance, is turning from something to something. That's what repentance is, turning away from something to something. You turn away from your life of sin and you embrace Jesus. It's repentance. So what's the moral of the story? What theological truth is Jesus trying to get across? There's really two. There's the obvious one and there's the implied one. Let me finish with that. The obvious truth is what Jesus says. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 who need no repentance. There is unspeakable and indescribable joy in the heart of God over repentance and anything else. That brings God joy. Conversely, there is no joy over the self-righteous. None. The entire Godhead and all of heaven respond with joy when a sinner repents. There's a little verse in Hebrews 12 that says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, Rich, he endured the cross, despising its shame. The heart of Jesus is joyful over someone who repents, a sinner who repents. A person who changes their mind and says, I can't do it alone. I can't take my life. I am hemmed in by thorns. I am beset by problems. I am full of sin. I am full of shame. But Jesus will lift me and put me on his shoulders and take me to his house. I repent and I believe in Jesus. That's what this story is about. And that brings God joy. For the joy that was set before him, He endured the cross. That's our Jesus. Now the implied moral of the story. Remember the setting. Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. The religious leaders grumble and complain. So Jesus tells them a parable and says, What man of you? What man of you would go after a single stinking sheep? What man of you would search until he finds it? No one would. But that's what Jesus did. Do you see? That's what he did. He left his glory on high with the Father. And he said, behold, send me, I will go. He went to the cross. He suffered and died for the lost. The Son of Man comes to seek and save those who are lost. And if you put your faith in Him, He will lift you up. And He will carry you into the Father's house. What man of you would do that? Nobody! But Jesus did. So who is God? God who is is one who has indescribable, unspeakable joy over repentance. And what did he do? He sent his son to be the savior of the world. If you put your faith in him, you'll have eternal life. Your sins will be taken away. You'll be brought into the father's house. (laughs) And there will be Rejoicing for all eternity. Who are you today in this story? Are you self-righteous? Are you one that says, I, I'm a good person? I'm okay, I don't really need a savior. I, I'm going to do it on my own. You're lost you don't even know it or are you the one that's lost and knows it and has embraced the Savior and repented and put your trust in Jesus there's only two categories there's only two I implore you today put your faith in the Good Shepherd Put your faith in Jesus. Believe that he suffered for you and he died for you and he bore your sins. And on the third day, he was resurrected. He was brought back to life. And he's now seated at God's right hand, crowned with glory and honor, waiting expectantly for the joy. He is seeking you, brother and sister. He wants you for his own. He is going out into whatever ravine or shameful situation you're in, and he wants you. He wants to carry you out of it. Put your faith in Jesus. Allow him to lift you up and take you. Don't wait. Don't wait. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this little parable you told. And I pray that it would touch our hearts this morning of how you're the good shepherd and you seek the lost sheep. In whatever situation or predicament that you're in, you will come to us and find us and save us and rescue us, Lord Jesus, and redeem us and bring us home where we belong with you. Lord Jesus, use this little parable to touch our hearts, to see our need for a Savior, and to see that the only Savior is you, Lord Jesus. There is one God, and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. That's you, Lord Jesus. You are the man that saves the lost sheep. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.